having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 20. This is Make It Pine. Make It Pine. M.I.P. With Massimella Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Pine. Get woke. Folks, we're counting down to the day. It's the 58th anniversary of the Great March on Washington. But less of an anniversary and a commemoration. This will be a Make Good Trouble rally. We invite you to makegoodtroublerally.com to find out more. Join us in Washington, D.C. Or you can be watching online through all social media. We'll be sharing that through as many social media as we can. We know people are concerned about COVID and the Delta variant and the Lambda variant. Guess what? At the Lincoln Memorial for the first time, we'll be offering not only COVID testing for free, but also vaccinations for free. So we will take care of those who are without. Join us in person and be masked and be careful, or join us online and still raise up your fists. We can't just send out tweets. We've got to make good trouble in the streets. MakeGoodTroubleRally.com. Please go there for more. Back from a busy summer, both of us have been busy. As you all know, I've been traveling all summer. I haven't been in New York in a month almost, at least. He's been traveling as well. But the world has not stopped spinning and is probably spinning even more now. So we want to get into it. He is the founder of both the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, but also the founder of Civics with a Q, the polling firm, which I like to say is the largest and most accurate polling firm in the world. Also the host of the brand new podcast, The Brief the largest podcast and YouTube broadcast is out there. Oh, I wish, uh, I wish that was the case. <laughs> but w- but what is not an exaggeration on my part is that when he joins us on Make It Plain, it is our most downloaded podcast of Make It Plain every all the time. Even, and I was saying this to Marcus, was interesting. We do, most podcasts aren't every day. We do a daily podcast. Y'all download the podcast me and Marcos did a year ago. And it's like, our stuff is pretty timely. So, I mean, I'm flattered that you do it, but what we talked about a year ago probably isn't quite as relevant as what we're talking about. I mean, I'm just letting you know that because we do this every week. But anyway, people go and get caught. They like to listen to us a year old, Marco. So I guess they, they love the sound of our voices. We do appreciate it, though. Hey, is Marcos Melitzis. Hey, buddy. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been a fun summer and I'm glad to, to be hanging out with you again. And, and uh, I know before we start recording, we were catching up on your son and his baseball career and getting to college in Atlanta. And it's all really pretty cool. So I'm glad things are going well with you, too. Thank you. And glad things are going well with, with you and your kids and your, and your sons. And now is he is he he's in in still in basic training? I don't know how long basic training lasts. Yeah, no, he's he's about an hour away from you down in Fort Benning, uh, Georgia. 
And uh, he is there until September 3rd. And we just found out they, they had closed all graduations. We just found out that they opened them for vaccinated people. So we're all vaccinated. And so we're heading out his mother and my daughter and uh, a cousin that lives with my ex-wife. We're all heading down together to go to the graduation and, and to pick him up and bring him home with us. So we're all excited that that's about two weeks away. But yeah, it's it's his basic training. Is, it was 10 weeks. It got delayed by a couple of weeks because of COVID outbreaks. And uh, so it's kind of added another layer of misery to his basic training. And he was a junior, did basic. He's going to go back and finish his senior year in high school. And then he goes back to Georgia to finish his infantry training. And he wants to go to ranger school. And he wants to go to airborne school. So he might be there for you know another nine months after he graduates for high school. At least let's get some... It was. He thinks it was like the coolest summer job ever, even though <laughs> it's not. I, you know, I went through basic, obviously, and I like to say yeah. that it was the worst time and the best time. I mean, it's all wrapped in one. It's it's actually it's an experience, and so I'm glad yeah. you have it. Well, congratulations to him. But perhaps that's the perfect. I didn't think about it this way, but now that we're talking about it, perhaps that's the perfect setup for the the, the hottest topic before us. And we'll, we'll get back to COVID, folks. But obviously, Afghanistan. You served. Now your son is serving. So would love to hear your thoughts. And I wonder if you've talked to him about what's going on. It is without question that what we're seeing today, and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but from my point of view, what we're seeing today is, is further evidence that the many who served in Afghanistan and gave their lives over the past 20 years, what actually did it accomplish? Were their lives in, in service to Afghanistan in vain? Probably. It's, it's, I mean, maybe we bought 20 years of some relative freedom for women and girls in Afghanistan that didn't exist. There is, there is the, the Taliban that existed in 2001 when we invaded was a um, medieval, very medieval Taliban, right? Now they're claiming that they are more, more moderate, right? And I don't know if anybody really believes it, but there, there's, Maybe a bit of hope. At least they're, they're trying to pretend while the cameras are still there, Western cameras. So who knows? But it, it, it's the fact that the country fell in, in what, a week? You know, once we, we stepped out, really shows that we were propping up a, it was, it was, it was a farce. We were just propping up an unpopular, corrupt government. And we just spent $2 trillion basically outfitting the Taliban army. So congratulations on every elected official, Democrats included, but, you know, Republicans that funded the new Taliban army. That was that was a great use of taxpayer resources. Don't come to us and talk about we have no money for health care. We have no money for infrastructure after we literally built the Taliban army. Everybody might not know what you mean by that. Explain it. Our weaponry ended up in their hands. What it was we... handed over. Yeah, it was, yeah. they, were, they weren't even firing. They literally handed over top of the line weaponry. To the Taliban. Now the Taliban, they went from you know roaming the countryside with AK-47s to having one of the most modernized armies in uh, in the world because nobody was interested in fighting. And there's you can talk about how how Trump sold out the Afghanistan government right by negotiating directly with the Taliban and excluding the Afghan government from those talks. You can talk about that. You can talk about Obama continuing the charade of six more months. Six more months was going to pacify the country. There's so much blame. It was obnoxious seeing Republicans try to pin this on Biden because this is 20 years of, of policy failure 
that span four presidents, four presidencies, and they all have their blame for it. And it is a waste. And I think people who serve there, it's the same feeling that people, you know, with Vietnam veterans, that sense that you fought and you, you died and you shed blood for territory where the second we stepped out, just literally a week, we're not even talking. <laughs> Nobody put up a fight. It was literally handed over to the Taliban on the platter. There was no desire to fight. So that just tells you that we were, we were, we were there for all the wrong reasons. We weren't, we weren't defending notions of democracy and freedom. The right. country was happy to revert back. And I, I suspect that it won't be long before they're back in full-fledged civil war because that's just the legacy of Afghanistan and it's a warlord-based country. But that's now up to them. That's, that's their fight to make. And, and I'm glad that we're not there anymore propping up what clearly turned out to be an unpopular government with zero public credibility. Should Biden have done it any differently? So, Could he have? Yeah, I mean, the, the criticism there is he extended the deadline unilaterally for four months, the, the deadline that Trump had negotiated. We should have been pulling out all our interpreters, all our allies, all nationals. I don't understand how there's still you know, thousands of Americans trapped there. It was obvious that the Taliban, I mean, it wasn't obvious that, that Kabul would fall this quickly, but it was obvious that the provinces were going to fall pretty quickly. I don't understand why you, you just don't pick up those allies, those translators, fly them and let the Republicans sue. Like, I mean, just do things, do the right thing and let the legal chips fall where they may. Instead, they're dealing with visas and they're dealing with, with getting legislation passed in, in a dysfunctional Congress and just delaying the process and making it as painful as possible. And even today, it's still a big mess. It's just scoop everybody up. Oh, and there's, they're trying to negotiate with third countries to, you know, before they came to the U.S. to process these people. Why? Why? Just, you know, <laughs> you're using Fort Bliss in Texas to house immigrant minors. You need to use it to house refugees from Afghanistan as you process them. So there's so much to criticize Joe Biden for in the haphazard way that the pullout happened, but not for pulling out. That needed to happen. And I'm glad that we're in the last stages, hopefully the last month or two. I mean, we need to be there long enough to get our allies out. But it's time to say goodbye. One of my pet peeves, too, is, is that this, what we're witnessing, and I know the punditry, the Beltway media, you know, is more caught up in the immediacy of the moment. Biden is the current president, so they have to make it look like he's done something wrong. But what this should really do, pardon me from my point of view, Marcos, is in the hagiography of George W. Bush. You know, because what happened, Trump made, made him more palatable. Now, George W. Bush is, is a, a respectable president, someone to be yeah. respected. But this situation, rather than it blowing back on Biden, should be people saying this is further confirmation that George W. Bush was a failed president. He got us into this and it was wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. There, there was a very clear mission, and that was to um, prevent Afghanistan from becoming a, a safe haven for Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. And that was accomplished pretty quickly. And then that should have been the end of it. The nation building, clearly, you know, you want to say hindsight's twenty twenty, but when has it when has it worked? It hasn't worked since World War II, since since Germany and Japan, right? I mean, once efforts yes. to nation build when you don't have that public support to do so, and it would take historians with more knowledge than me to to really understand why Japan and Germany were different 
than Vietnam or probably because they didn't have insurgencies, right? They, they, there wasn't an active war, but nation building just hasn't really been a thing that works. And to think that we, we sunk $2 trillion into Afghanistan just to literally hand it back to the Taliban, not, we're not even out, and it's already been handed over to the Taliban, is, um, is unconscionable. And that we left, not only did we leave our allies, our local al- Afghani allies behind, but they have access to all the records. Nobody even bothered to burn the records, so they know the identities of every special forces soldier that fought alongside U.S. troops. They know every identity of every translator. They, they have all the information they need to do to round up and imprison or execute people that work with us on our promise to try to build a better Afghanistan. And the fact that they haven't been leaving for months already we had plenty of advance notice. We knew this was coming. This was, this was not a surprise. And that everybody was caught behind. Nobody had been pulled out. Everybody was caught behind is a moral failure. And I'll put that one on Biden. I'm not afraid to say, not pulling out. But so I would say every president, Bush got us into that mess. Right. He, said, he started this whole chain of disaster. Obama kept it going for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, six more months, six more months kind of thinking. And then, of course, Trump negotiated without the Afghan government and created the conditions where the Taliban would just get the country handed over. And then Biden blew the, the pullout. So give them all their proper blame. I mean, this is not this has been a disaster from almost the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. More MIP after this message. Hey, peeps, it's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Well, you know what you and I used to say back when this all kicked off was that, you know, you talk about this has works of nation building, has works of World War One, but even more historic. When you write, neither one of us is historians, but we agreed on this, and most do. That nation is undefeated. Period. When it comes to conflict and conflicts within it, no one has bested whatever the situation was in Afghanistan. No one's gone in there and come out well. And we said that when this thing kicked off. Ladies and gentlemen, we should also acknowledge that it was the United States Central Intelligence Agency that, with the help of Osama bin Laden, lured the Soviet Union into Afghanistan and a war, which ultimately ended the Soviet Union. So now, clearly, the United States isn't about to end, per se. Well, it may be. We'll get, that'll be our, our next topic. But if it can have bring that level of devastation to a government in a protracted war, the logic uh, behind us getting in it us meaning the United States was somewhat a, 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 some absurd and flawed logic. And, and Barbara Lee looks even more venerable today as being the, only, the lone person in Congress who voted against the Afghan war. So we will see what happens. I agree with you, Marcos. Had to pull out, had to pull out. But but it's 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 a human toll when you see people going through what they're going through over there. Even for 70% of public safety, everybody said pull out. There wasn't anybody who was in disagreement with it. But now everyone is seeing the reality. And it's also, to me, an opportunity for those of us who are Americans to kind of get off of our high horses and see that there is real 
strife in the world, real struggle. We cannot always be the world savior, the white savior complex, but maybe we need to figure some other things out to help people who really need, including helping them get over here, providing them whatever kind of relief they need. So, so there's that. But I, I, I want to move on, kind of segue. So Union came to an in America isn't, but it could metaphorically, if, and you, you know, I, I, we let you have your vacation, but now we need to put you back to work on getting Mansion and Cinema straight. That's your job, man. You got to get them two straight. If, 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 if they don't get it together, man, and, you know, Reverend Barber told me that they, this is what they tell him. Well, Reverend Barber, if uh, we get rid of the filibuster, then what's going to happen when we're not in power as Democrats? Uh, excuse me. If you don't get rid of the filibuster, you are confirming you won't be back in power because all the votes will be suppressed that would reelect you and keep you in power. So this is not the chicken or the egg. Uh, no. <laughs> it's, it's a frustrating argument because you know what? The people who win the elections should make the laws. And you know how you keep Republicans from taking power is you win freaking elections. Yeah. That's what you do. Understanding that the system is already heavily skewed towards rural areas. And even more so now that we know from the census that rural areas are emptying out while cities and suburbs are growing. So it's going to add, I mean, Wyoming, uh, sorry, uh, West Virginia actually lost population. They lost people. And yet they still have two senators and they'll always have two senators because of a undemocratic system. But what wonder why West Virginia lost people, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. And so <laughs> you cannot basically you know, tie yourself one hand behind your back and say, well, we're not going to do anything because maybe the other side's going to win someday. Because, okay, do the right thing. If the other side wins, then they get to make laws and change what you did. And then you fight and you win and you change it back, right? That is freaking government. And so to me, the, the logic of it is, is absolutely dumbfounding. I don't understand it. Now, I would love to see the Senate changed. I don't see that happening anytime soon because you need two thirds of the states to you know, change the constitution. That's not going to happen. But what you can do is you can expand the Supreme Court. I mean, there's things you can do, but we need to win more, right? And that's why next year is going to be so important. It's a, it's a down year. It's that first year of a new president's term. And usually the party in power loses a lot of seats. Donald Trump is upending that just like everything else by being in the limelight. Is it really going to be a referendum on Biden or is Trump going to be, again, the, the central focus of 2022? There's a lot of question marks about next year, but it's going to be critical for us to win the election, to be able to to minimize the influence that Manchin and Cinema have right now. It'd be nice to get, let them vote no on stuff. Let's just get a couple more votes and had, you know, if we could have 53 senators, everything changes. Everything changes. They can be sanctimonious and, and do whatever they want. And then when 2024 comes around, we get rid of cinema. I mean, her, her numbers in, in Arizona are brutally bad. Nobody likes her. So mm-hmm. not sure what she's doing. I have no sympathy for cinema. I have sympathy for, for Mansion. We've talked about that. It's a 30, 40 point Trump state. We shouldn't have a Democratic senator under any rational consideration. I think it's a rental. I don't think he's going to win again. But we've gotten more from him than we would if a Republican held that seat. So I'm, I'm a little more sympathetic for that. But cinema, zero. Zero sim- yeah. sympathy. And she's not she's not going to survive re-election. But again, I go, I go back to the point we even made before vacay for Manchin and all of them. Admit, admit D.C. into the union. Yeah. That gives everybody cover. Yeah. It really does. It really gives everybody cover. And he can do whatever he wants. I mean, you, you know, and, and, you know, even if it's about it. So even if even if we want to say, OK, dude, this is about your personal political agenda will survive. Mm-hmm. It's in your personal interest 
to admit DC into the union. That covers you. Yep. Absolutely. It is utterly I it doesn't it doesn't make sense in any way except racism. That's the only sort of logical answer to that question is that they don't want two black senators in the Senate. That's it. Meaning they, they meaning Manchin included. Yeah, Manchin included. I mean Republicans obviously don't. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, but uh yeah. but Manchin and West Virginia's not particularly a, a you know a big state with a black population. It's it's mostly rural white people and it's <laughs> we know rural white people's views on race. So Manchin clearly I mean he himself may not be racist, but he's clearly reflecting the view of, of his constituents. But I don't even think they would care. That's a thing. I don't think they would care. It's just not relevant to the day-to-day lives. He can make an argument based on the, the pork he's sending to West Virginia, the bridges that are being built because of funding he secured, the coal miners that have extra benefits because he pushed through it. And, and to me, it's just just throw whatever he wants. He wants to send every ex-coal miner $100,000. Good, do it. Whatever. It would, that would be cheap way to buy his support. And then he can go and brag about all the loot and money he sent to, to these dying, desperate communities. And these are desperate communities by all indications. Yeah, yeah. They, this is not, uh, I, I think they are worthy of sympathy, but good. That's what government is there for, to, to, to pull these people out of, that, out of that black hole that they're currently in, kind of literally too, if they're coal miners. And you can do that. So throw money at these coal miners. I mean, there's not that many left. A few thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All this, yeah, all this chaos, storm and drunk over over a bunch of coal miners. When at this one, I bet you there are more people working in alternate fuels in in West Virginia yeah. than are working yeah. in coal mines. Right. Like, well, right. But 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 the thing is, and and let's face it, you know, I, I've been to you know. Um, you were just there. I, I was there. I've been there twice more times than I ever have in my life this summer. And you're right about his constituency, but the white folks I met there. And I tell you all, if, if you don't think white folks are poor anywhere, this is not a poor white folks don't go together, go to West Virginia. <laughs> right. And when you go to West Virginia, I mean, it is it is it's in such a desperate place. People were actually glad to see us. They were glad that some of us came and gave it that. And then folk just opened up the floodgates. So I, I, I spent most of the time in West Virginia with my mouth open, listening to people in terms of what they're dealing with. And so what do we know from that? Because people, people, when people local, they tell you what's up. Rem Barber, Rem Mark, we don't have this, we don't have that. The drug epidemic is, is out of control. And all we see, every it was one thing everybody said, just one person after the other. They weren't together, like in different places. And all Joe Manchin does is ride around town in his Porsche. I didn't know he had a Porsche. <laughs> but that's a that's a that's a trigger for people in West Virginia. This dude zips through town <clears throat> in a Porsche, and folk don't have money for health care to get the teeth fixed. Doing bad. I walked into a Shoney's because there ain't no Shoney's in New York. Only Shoney's down south. I said, I, I knew Shoney's when I lived in Nashville. I walked into a Shoney's. What is Shoney's? It's, it's a it's a it's a chain restaurant. Um, restaurant. Uh, okay. Big Shoney's, big boy. So like a diner. Yeah, diner. It's sort of. You would have thought it was a second coming. They were so glad to see me. Nobody was in there. Nobody has the money. Going. I'm going to the Shoney's. They treated me like a king. They were so glad that oh, they had a customer. And, money. Okay. Right. And, and then I'm a customer. And then clearly I'm not from there, obviously. <laughs> right. Man, normally when you are, this is not a bar. It's a restaurant, right? It's not a bar. Normally you go into a bar and you unload on the bartender. I go in the restaurant and the waitress and the maitre d' and everybody are unloading on me about how they live in West Virginia. So I became the bartender 
These are white people, not black people. <laughs> you got you got to you got a minute. I said, what you mean? Do I have a minute? Can we talk? So, OK. And also, oh, you, you were you were not even soliciting. No. I need to, where, <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. They, they knew at first they knew I wasn't there. So where are you from? What you know, what brings you here? They, that made them curious. And I said, well, you know, I'm a, a, a minister and a talk show host and activist. I'm here with Red Barber. Oh, you got a minute? And I was like, you know what? I'm here to eat. What's going on? I was by myself. I just, you know, took a little break to get something to eat. Un- complete unload and download. And he's riding around in a Porsche. And I'm just sitting there like, then they talk to me about the drug crisis and how literally bad it is. And see, the perception of many in America, still, even with the opioid crisis, the face of drug abuse and, and drug addiction is still black. Which is crazy. Let me tell y'all something. If you want to be disabused of that notion, just just go go to the have a layover in the West Virginia in the Charleston Airport. You'll be clear. So one of the <laughs> one, one of the um, big findings in the census data, which you know just referenced a little bit ago, was that rural areas are emptying out, and that may be. I think opioids overdose is one of the leading causes of death in rural America. So that could be a big yeah. factor in them losing. Yeah. yeah. The white only population dropped by about a percentage point a year. The first time in, in, in since the census started, so in American history, that the number of white people actually declined. Mm. And they're an older population. Mm-hmm. And they're not they're not as young as the black and the Latino and the Asian communities. But that rural air emptying out, I bet you that opioid crisis is a big factor, not just in, in people dying from it, but people just getting away from it, right? Because these towns are dying. And I, I don't understand how at this point anybody would still think drugs, black people, yeah. I guess I know why, right? But yeah. it really is opioid. It's, it's a rural, rural. And I guess maybe because the cameras just aren't there. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. More MIP after this message. Well, and, and again, the perception that it's, it's coal mining is so conservative. I'm not saying it's not. And I didn't see everyone in West Virginia. But I didn't. We walked down the street. We're marching. Every horn is honking. We didn't run into anybody with a Trump sign or people who were spitting at us. I've been in other places where that's happened. And it made me pause and think, well, wait a minute. Is Joe Manchin really representing the people he claims to represent? Because we didn't see those people. And if I took you back there today, we'd go in places you would have the same experience. So wait a minute, this is a whole different West Virginia from what he even represents he's supposed to be representing. So anyway, I, I won't believe that point either. But obviously, this is one person. See, Cinema don't have no juice. So Joe Manchin says to Cinema, come on, we're going to go. We're going to do this. What's she going to do? She's not going to do Oh, no, Cinema's not going to hang out on her own. No, no, no. She'll, she'll go. Right, right. So, so. You know, one of the things, folks, is, you know, we're mobilizing for August 28th. We're dealing with all of these issues. We're raising these issues. I we are supposed to go back to West Virginia on the 26th. When Bob is discussing that, I may go. We may go back to West Virginia, although I've been there twice. It's been, that's a little traumatic. But the, I will say this. People, it was also a feeling of warmth. People were so happy, Marcos, that some of us came and gave a damn and wanted to listen. They were just so happy to talk to other people to tell their stories. And I was kind of honored by that. I was like, it was just really fascinating. People were just so glad. Folks was hugging. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Thank goodness. Because they're down there. Ain't nothing down there. There's nothing down there. And 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 he's oh, he, they see him on television every day. They see him in the Porsche, you know, and, and he's just an example so of uh, exploitation. This gets us back to that original point. I mean, 
we can pass all this legislation, including D.C. statehood, and just all sorts of giveaways for poor West Virginians. And I don't think any, I mean, Kentucky's been right, getting that right. crap. Like, right, you know, right, McConnell's right, right. been feeding his people. Let actually pull some of these people, just throw a bunch of money at them, get them to vote so you can walk around saying every coal miner got $100,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? Nobody's going to no. complain about it. I mean, they can complain no. about it, but yeah, good luck running on. They should not have gotten any money. But for us instead, we give you no money, uh, which would be the Republican response. And, and then he is as covered as it needs to be. He's actually helped his people. I mean, that's a big one, right? He's actually delivered something for them. And the country moves forward with voting rights legislation, D.C. statehood. Uh, a $3 trillion infrastructure package and all the other legislative priorities that we have on tap. And isn't that the way politics is supposed to work? I mean, I, I think the most recent example that we all can point to historically is Lyndon Johnson. You know, he's like, hey, I know you want to do this, but if you want this, you have to give me this. I mean, that's the thing. And it was, I, I read, I was referring that in another interview, referring to that in an interview I was in, and there was a famous quote where he was expending some of his political capital to get the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Lyndon Johnson was. And one of his advisors says, you shouldn't spend your political capital on that. He said, well, what else is a president supposed to do with his political capital? I mean, it's not like you can stay president and keep it in the bank and then cash it out and get a check when you leave office. I mean, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not capital gains money. You're supposed to spend that capital. It's not it's not it's intangible. So spend it. And so the question I also ask of you and we, you know, Biden, you know, Biden's cool. He's done a lot of good things. He'll continue to do good things. But is he not adept at the art of doing what LBJ did? And he's got the infrastructure bill. Hey, Joe, look, here's this infrastructure bill. We'll hook you up. You need to hook, hook the rest of us up. You can be hooked up, get you off the hook with all the coal miners. And I'm telling you all, if you went to that West Virginia like me, I wish I was senator. I get him all people, all the money in the world. Broke my heart. Touch, broke, touch my heart and broke my heart. Everybody in West Virginia would get everything. If, if I was in the Senate and wasn't from West Virginia, I'd go over to Joe. Hey, Joe. You don't want to give your people no money. I am. That'd be me. I'm going to give everybody this money because they're doing bad. I mean, the, just the hard-wrenching stories of how everything is affecting them. Okay. Why can't Joe leverage that? I mean, is, is it something I'm missing or what? So I guess the answer to that is we'll find out in a couple of weeks. We, <laughs> right. we don't know what is going on behind the scenes. I would love to see Chuck Schumer. I mean, this is also on Schumer, right? Uh, on the Senate side. I would love to see Schumer come on and say, like, we're going to throw money at West Virginia coal miners. Everybody's obsessed with these freaking coal miners. West Virginia is more than coal miners, but it's the coal miners. We'll throw money at the coal miners. We'll 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 set them up for life. They'll get a a, a annual pension. Cool. So that they, they we close the mines, they get a guaranteed annual fifty thousand dollars. I'm sure that goes really far in West Virginia. Do something like that. Something I, I'll like take I'll take a step further. I agree. So I'll even use language. We're trying to get we we got two hundred co-sponsors on reparations. They're scared to bring that to the floor. I'd even say this. Reparations for the coal miners. Reparations for us. I have no problem with that. Because that, that, is, that is a hell of a job. That's People lost their lives. It was a hell of a job. Hell of an industry. Oh, their health is screwed. I mean, these people all have black lungs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's nasty. Set them up. Yeah. Set them up. I have, yeah, I have no problem with that. And, and, and you're right. Now, if I feel that way, who else? Who, who could object to that? Were, are Republicans going to object to that? Oh, of course. I mean, <laughs> they'll try. They'll find some way to object to it, but it, they're not going to get very far. Yeah, I mean, that, that even check checkmates them. To no, me. So, yeah, do that. And, you know, then D.C. statehood, all that crap, like get it through. But he gets to walk around saying that I, I set these people up for life. Do it. Easy. 
I don't know if, I mean, probably know somebody's actually doing that behind the scenes. I don't know. What drives me crazy about like a mansion or a cinema is like, well, 3.5 trillion is too much, but maybe we'll do two. There's not a single human being in this freaking country that gives a shit, whether it's 3.5 or $2 trillion. Republicans are going to attack it as out of control spending, no matter what that number is. It could be a hundred billion dollars they'll attack it as out of control spending nobody else is going to go like i was with the republic i was with the democrats until they went 3.5 when two was perfectly adequate so this this notion that will knock it down and that'll make them seem so reasonable nobody gives them credit for that and i don't understand how that mentality still exists in dc now on the plus side we're seeing less and less of it that used to be the core of the democratic party always whittling down and, and negotiating against its, against itself in order to appear reasonable. Now we're down to cinema and mansion. And so, I mean, the, the, the best solution is we just need to win next year's election. And it's a tough election. It's, you know, I've mentioned this before. The Senate battleground is exactly the presidential battleground. It's Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida. That's the battleground, Nevada. And so it, this is going to be tough in non-presidential year to get our vote out, particularly since Biden is president. And this is why we need Biden to continue to show progress. We need Biden to do things like forgive student debt to make sure that that student vote continues, not even student, young people vote continues to turn out. We need Democrats to extend the child credit, that monthly child credit, so voters know that the vote means the difference between getting that check every month and not getting that check every month. We need to do things that show that there are tangible benefits to voting and voting for Democrats. And right now, we're so trapped into these BS negotiations. I still don't understand why we needed a bipartisan bill. Like, I still don't I still don't even understand. Why not just fold everything into one big infrastructure bill? I, I don't get it. I've never mm -hmm. understood that. So why? Because you know what's going to happen, Mark, is that Republicans are going to claim credit for everything. Right, right, right. Because right. whether it was a bipartisan bill or whether if it's popular, they'll take credit for it. They're already taking credit for stuff in the in the bailout bill, in the emergency COVID relief bill that they voted against. So, of course, they're going to be taking right. credit for spending in their districts and states. Why make it easier for them to do so? But. Next year's election is just, it looms so large, and we don't even know what the house map is going to look like. We have such a difficult task ahead of us, but if we can do that, if we can hold our majorities, and if we can expand them in the Senate, it gives everybody more flexibility, including Mansion and Cinema. Right, right. Well, well, and I'll say this, and we've got a lot we can get caught up on, and Marcos and I can talk forever. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up, but, but the last thing I'll say, Marcos, is that... The concern by all of the voter mobilization groups, even some of those who were gathered with us on August 28th at the Lincoln Memorial, folks go to makegoodtroublerally.com to sign up, to get involved, to come with us in uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Memorial. In fact, we concerned about the Delta variant uh, for the first time at the Lincoln Memorial at such a march on Washington. We will be offering not only back, uh, COVID testing, but vaccines will be available for you if you come to the march and you've not been vaccinated. Uh, we just had the, uh, we, we interviewed today the White House coordinator of vaccines, uh, Dr. Shuker. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether, I don't know when that's airing, but they announced that they, we're going to need boosters. With this yeah. delta, but but the point, but the point, but the point I'm trying to make is the voter mobilization organizations, Black Voters Matter, etc. Marcos, Reverend Barber, this is what they're saying to Mansion and to Biden and the Democrats. We did our job, took care of November 2020, took care of January 2021. A lot of hard work made that happen. 
by the skin of our teeth. Now people are asking, well, what did we do that for mm-hmm. if y'all can't get rid of the filibuster and protect? So Republicans are doing their job. Okay, we saw what they did. We're going to suppress them some more to make sure they don't, can't do that no more. And then y'all run around saying, well, we better let them do it because we scared to let go of the filibuster. That's that. That's not going to So what you're saying, Marcos, in terms of holding on to majorities, Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that they're putting all that in jeopardy. This is an existential crisis, and it's harder and harder for people like you and me and everybody else to go out and tell people in, in black communities and marginalized communities, get out and vote for these Democrats. And then they say, well, wait a minute, they're not protecting our right to vote for it. We got to stand in line longer because they won't do nothing. Mm-hmm. We got to come up with all this ID. We got to be intimidated at the polls by poll watchers. They should take a cue from the Texas state Democrats. That took some courage, man. They left. They say, oh, we out of here at great risk to their health, separated from their families, at risk of arrest. That took some gumption. So that's what I mean, Biden and them, Biden, they got to get this together, man. This this, this is this is not going to fly. And it, Republicans are extra desperate. And the census data shows why is they're they're losing their core base. Older <laughs> white right. Americans are literally dying off. Their, their numbers are literally shrinking. Rural America is emptying out. And so they're not going to try to win new support with black and brown and Asian voters. So their answer to it is to make sure that our people can't vote. Yeah. That's, that's the only answer to it at this point. Folks, we invite you to go to MakeGoodTroubleRally.com. Again, Marcos Belitsis of Thursday Coast, Daily Coast Civics with a Q. He is back in the saddle. We'll be doing this again every Thursday. We've enjoyed it all the years we've been doing it. Hope you all will. Many of you, I'm sure, already read. A daily coast and stay informed. Let's continue to do so. Thanks as always, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Everybody, please be safe, even if you're vaccinated. The Delta variant is real. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So thanks. Thank you, Marcos. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.